0: Hey everybody, this is your host, Jason. And before we get to the podcast proper, I unfortunately have a small disclaimer I need to make uh, about the sound of this particular episode. It appears that unnoticeably, or unnoticeable, (laughs) use the uh, adjective, not the adverb, unnoticeable to uh, Cameron and I during the recording, there was this weird kind of... Interference noise on the track. It almost sounds like a, a raccoon scratching in the attic. Dan, the coons are back and it's it's fairly constant <laughs> on the track. It ranges from not that noticeable to mildly annoying to there's one or two places where it gets slightly abrasive. It's one of those things that, that I didn't notice it until I started editing. In, in the playback it wasn't even in the test playback that I do before we ever start recording so something happened in our connection and I don't know what it is you have my my solemn promise to try to make sure it doesn't ever happen again in the future but for this episode it was kind of one of those things that it wasn't it wasn't enough to warrant kind of trying to re-record the whole episode <laughs> and honestly there's some pretty good content so I hope that if you can if you can stand it and it doesn't bother you too much then it won't it won't turn you off the episode um, i mean it's a pretty pretty standard episode with me and Cameron a nice flashback and there's there's some pretty good stuff in it so I would hope you'll you'll listen anyway but I do apologize for some the particular like just scratching noise it's the only way I, I know how to describe it so anyway uh enjoy the show
1: f y i this podcast contains spoilers <laughs>
0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 145 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host Jason, it's my party, I can spider sense if I want to, venable, and I'm joined once again by flashback co-host extraordinaire Cameron, the worst part about the future is Pink Gobot's Sinclair.
1: Nailed it.
0: (laughs) I got a chance to redeem myself and bring that back. (coughs) since I left it out the last time. It's
1: all
0: right. <laughs> anyway, so like like you may have figured, this is going to be a flashback episode. Flashback. <laughs> you just had vocal box surgery. <laughs> but we're going to cover Wolverine Year 12 Part 2. Now, it may seem like forever ago that we did Year 12 Part 1. That's because <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> but we had a lot of stuff in between. We had some Secret Wars 2 uh, doo-doo and um, some <laughs> other stuff that we had to talk about but we're finally wrapping up the 12th year of Wolverine yes oh I also have a little bonus content for you we're also going to catch up with our old friend Sabretooth who we haven't seen in forever <laughs>
1: what's he been up
0: to well turns out I'm going to tell you oh, I can't wait uh, with bated breath with bated <laughs> baby's breath sure all right, well, <laughs> you want to jump into some comics? Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, so first up, we have Uncanny X-Men number 207.
1: 207. That's correct. <laughs> uh, okay, so we open up with our people. So 207 called Ghosts. Ooh. Got it. This Claremont writer of course, Art, John Rubida Jr. and Dan Green. Uh, Tom or just Chowski letterer, Glynis Oliver, Colors.
0: I think from now on we should start saying Dan Green's name like Dan Green. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like
0: that. That's the new podcast rule. <laughs>
1: I'll try to remember that for the next one. <laughs> um, all right, so first we have what is a pretty fantastic cover.
0: This is an iconic Wolverine yes. cover by John <laughs> Romina Jr. It's one of on, the on
1: classic a classic ones.
0: Yes, it's on the short list of great Wolverine covers. Yeah. Even yeah. with the extremely disproportionate legs, it's still awesome.
1: Yeah, but it still looks great. We have a Wolverine crouching down, mid slash with the what looks like the the view, the reader, I guess, being slashed. Red slash lines going all the way down the page.
0: Yeah, it's like he's cutting through the cover.
1: Yeah, it looks like one of those when you play those video like shoot shoot video games and somebody shoots you and it shows you on the screen when you get shot. Uh
0: yeah, it kinda does.
1: That's you know what it looks like to me.
0: Yeah. So we'll scratching our eyeballs out.
1: Yeah. And he's yelling yeah, it's pretty cool. You got a striped background blue really thin stripes in the background to kind of give shadows and just good stuff
0: it, it's a great cover and you can can surmise it'll probably be the uh, podcast cover image for this episode
1: and if not you should just google uncanny x-men 207 and yeah because it's, it's cool totally it's, it's an awesome awesome
0: cover i don't really know what else to say about it <laughs> other than just heaping continuous praise on it yep 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 okay so we open up with a great
1: full page panel of a wolverine crouching once again, blades snicked out wide, yelling Phoenix as loud as he can. Mm-hmm. And we have basically a bunch of rubble, he's standing on a big pile of rubble. And then we have Rachel basically narrating, talking about the world they're in. Uh, it's basically, we're back in her world, her, her timeline. Uh, and she says, talking about her childhood, the city was a magic place. But now it's a charnel pit. And I looked up charnel pit. You know what charnel means? Uh, I think it has to do with fire, right? No, it's a place where they—it's a place where you deposit bodies and bones.
0: Oh, okay.
1: My assumption was char, charnel, like fire. But yeah. No, not related to that, so. Right.
0: It's Anyways. like an open grave. Yeah. It's been an episode of Grammar Now. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, so
1: anyway, we're in Rachel's future, and basically she's being hunted by Wolverine. She's running. She's in her Phoenix costume at first, but then she changes to the hound costume, uh, and Wolverine's basically run her down, and she's basically just recapping her past of what happened and why, why she was where she was. Um, eventually, Wolverine catches up to her, and then right as he stabs her, she wakes up. Turns out it was a dream.
0: Aww. Dream sequence. So she wakes up in a room.
1: In this room, she has trashed the place uh, because, of her, I guess, in her dream, she lost control of her telekinetic powers a little bit. Uh, she doesn't really know where she is. We quickly find out when Kitty and Colossus run in the room uh, that they are in the Morlocks' tunnels this because has. Wolverine is still recovering from his battle with Deathlock. Deathstrike? Strike? Death, Death Strike, sorry. I wrote Deathstrike. Strike, I said Deathlock. <laughs> That strike, and they took him to the healer, the Morlock healer, because that's why they're down there. Colossus and Kitty basically give Rachel
0: a hard time for wrecking the room, uh, and she feels sad. Yeah. You're a terrible so, house guest, they say.
1: Yeah, you're a terrible house guest. So you're wrecking the place. And she walks out. Rogue is not super friendly to her. Storm straight up snubs her. Uh, and then Rachel basically runs out onto the street. Oh no, I take that back she gets sad and then we go to what turns out to be another dream sequence in japan where wolverine is still hunting rachel but now she's in a kimono but the hound face but she's wearing a kimono now the idea is that wolverine who we also found out i mean i forgot to mention a second ago is in these dreams not just in her dreams he's in her dream like he himself is in her I don't know how to say that to make that make sense. He feels the dream too.
0: Because of their mind link or whatever or because of her powers <clears throat> they're sharing a dream experience.
1: Oh man I, I, skipped a whole, I skipped that whole thing. Yes that was the whole thing. So the reason Rogue and I thought I was getting to that in a second but Rogue and, and Storm are mad at her. Everyone's basically mad at Rachel because of when they bought the Beyonders she took everyone's life essence. Right. Rogue is less mad because she offered it although she says they're not even sure if it was their own free will. Right. But then people like Storm and Wolverine are extra mad because they said no. Or Wolverine well, didn't
0: know Wolverine asleep. was asleep.
1: Yeah, Wolverine was asleep. Storm said no, and she took it anyway. And so she doesn't really understand why everyone's so mad about it because she thinks she believes she was doing the right thing at the time, but everyone's still upset about it. There's also this idea of maybe there's some side effects with Deeper connections because of that. We also find that a little bit later, she tried to basically boost Wolverine's healing factor, which she thinks also may have added to the connection here. And so they're basically sharing these dreams. That's the way I put that, I guess. So the first one is Rachel's past, but then now we're jumping to the one in Japan, and now it's actually Wolverine's past, and they're merging these two stories. Right Right before she dies, once again, she wakes up in the alley, or right as she dies, she wakes up in the alley. Um, and now here she's pondering, you know, why she's on the street. She ponders why humans are so stupid. She talks about friendship and, and really, that's what I was getting to a minute ago, really kind of goes back and forth between being mad at the X-Men because they're not giving her more. I guess they're not trusting her that she was trying to do the right thing. Right. She but then to... also hating herself for all of it.
0: Right. But then also kind of hating, resenting the X-Men. for yeah. not supporting her.
1: A lot of different emotions going on right now right and so um yeah, all of so which the are
0: mildly interesting
1: <laughs> yeah uh, so then she goes to another dream this one is kind of like a desert scape or something
0: yeah it's like mad max land
1: yeah mad max land and then she this is where she rips off her face the hound mask face skin comes off and then she's herself i guess but with longer hair hmm. but wolverine shows up and still tries to kill her but then she kills him, and then wakes up in the subway. Anyway, cop tries to help her out. She says no. Then she starts recapping her first appearance, where some guy took her in, and then Celine, the uh, Hellfire Club black queen, Celine, ate that guy. I guess she's a vampire, so yeah. she ate his life force. Right. Uh, and so she decides she's got to kill Celine. A little bit of a jump, but that's what she decides. Instead of facing the problems of the X Men, she's going to run off and try to kill Celine. The X Men then realize that Wolverine's gone. Suddenly, they also realize that Rachel's gone. Storm says, "We got to find Wolverine. He's our top priority, and then maybe we'll look for Rachel later." Right. It's pretty funny. But um, so they head out. They basically recruit the Morlocks, kind of, and they head out to go find Wolverine. Rachel shows up at the Hellfire Club. He sneaks in, finds Celine. Then we have this pretty Titanic battle between the two of them as Rachel gets the better of Celine. And is about to kill her. And then Wolverine shows up, almost naked, of course. Right. And tells her to stop. Wants to stop Rachel before she kills Celine, saying basically that Rachel's just doing an execution, and that's not something the X Men do. And so then Wolverine Rachel won't stop, so he snicks her right in the stomach. End End comic. Cliffhanger
0: cliffhanger what is a pretty big cliffhanger because we assume because you know, they're standing face to face that he snicks her in the stomach we don't actually know for sure what happens to the next issue
1: that's right the last panel is actually just a big black bar that says snick
0: with an awesome little samurai looking font yeah it's pretty cool looking. yeah it's a great it's
1: a great,
0: great snick and, and a good cliffhanger yeah. yeah so um well you already mentioned this but I just want to agree that the, the title page is awesome um, awesome. We have classic Wolverine Crouch, or what will become classic Wolverine Crouch, yeah. where kind of his, his knees are forward and his legs are bent completely under him and he's on his tippy toes. So this also classic Sabretooth Crouch. So I guess just any feral creature in the Marvel Universe probably yeah. crouches that way.
1: Does Wolfsbane do this Crouch? That's the real uh,
0: question. I, who cares? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. we get some awesome art. Um... Particularly when we go to Japan. or oh, no, I'm sorry. I want it before we get there, page five, or maybe it's six. N- yeah, no, page five. Great Wolverine art. Um, Basically, Wolverine, they're in the dream still, the first dream, when Wolverine catches Rachel and he grabs her by the hair and pulls her over a wall. And yeah. the shading, the coloring on those panels is awesome. Because Wolverine's all in shadow, except for his orange bits. Yeah, in his arms. Yeah, and it just looks really, really great. We get a great snick there. And he's just, he's, he's murdering Rachel. It's, it's a pretty awesome sequence of panels. We go to the uh, Japan Dream. That also looks really, really great. Uh, particularly that first panel on the bottom of page nine uh, with the pagodas and all that. But even when you get into it, we again just get super violent, super shadowy Wolverine. Which is just a great look. Uh, yeah. John Romina Junior nails.
1: I um, like that they're really sticking with even though this is all dream sequence stuff, I like that they're sticking with kind of the really gritty Wolverine. Yes. That we got with the Death Strike battle. Even though there's there's a comic in between these, but right. Wolverine's not in it, so who cares? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But uh but yeah, so that we have this this still like that death strike. Uh, The the district issues. We have the real gritty, kind of violent Wolverine that, of course, becomes kind of standard Wolverine as we get into the more modern era. Right. But uh, yeah, it's 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 good and dark, and even though it's stream sequences, it's very cool.
0: So let's talk about the last time we saw Wolverine. Is a first of all, I you know I've said this before. I'm a fan of the healing factor being a little more tempered. Yeah. And a little slower. So him needing some extra time to recover after a massive claw-to-claw fight with Lady Deathstrike fits. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that's what we got though. I feel like at the end of 205, he you know he had like a nice tooth-and-nail fight with Deathstrike, but then he like we talked about, he kind of beat her kind of easily at the end. Yeah, and then at the end, he doesn't collapse in the snow. He walks off with Candy Power, assuming we need to go have some snow cones or something. Yeah. Like everything's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's a, I yeah. like the idea of it, but you're yes. right. Two oh five doesn't give us an indication in the beginning of two oh five. Yes. That he's that hurt. Right. But by the end of two
0: like, oh five, yeah.
1: Enough to, to defeat Death Strike easily. Right. And to choose not to kill her and walk off. Right. But then now we're back. Now they also talk about how Rachel tried to boost his healing factor and how it didn't work. And so I wonder if there was maybe they're suggesting that it backfired maybe.
0: Okay, but then show somehow. us that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they don't yeah, they don't tell us that. And so I kind of thought maybe that's what they were going for, and that's why there's the connection and why they're so mad at each other. Or maybe he's physically getting hurt in the dreams
0: possibly but, but,
1: so but I don't know why that would be the case yeah
0: but I feel like the whole reason they're in the tunnels like you said which I actually kind of missed is that they took Wolverine to get healed by the Morlock healer yeah and they're, they're going to stay down there until they feel like they can move him I guess
1: yeah but um, yeah it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense because at the end of 205 he's up walking around and,
0: right okay. now if at the end of 205 he beats Death Strike, he takes a couple of steps and he falls down bloody in the snow, then this makes perfect sense. Right. But that's not what we got. And yeah, also, we don't know how the X-Men found Wolverine. The last right. time we saw the X-Men, they were in San Francisco fighting the Freedom Force. And then they're like, oh, well, after that battle, they, they're basically told, um, it's not safe for y'all to stay here. We let y'all, you know, the cops intervene with Freedom Force in 206 at the end. And they're like, Hey, we'll save your neck. We'll protect you, but you got to leave. Like, we can't keep doing this. So, you know, they're going back to New York. And, you know, right. and I, honestly, I don't need, you know, half an issue with them, like, making a flight. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm looking for.
1: Walking around looking
0: right. for Wolverine. But maybe at least mention, like, oh, hey, you know, we we, we came back home. We found Wolverine, like, either laying in the, face down in the snow or wandering around like a madman or something. Yeah. But, no, it's just. We're in the tunnels, Wolverine's in a bed and bandages, because his healing factor is taking too long, and that's it. I just—I feel like this is just more, we talked in 205, I think Claremont's on a skipping streak, and I'm not really sure why. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because
0: we also, we know, we have a couple other questions. Uh, you mentioned one, I'll let you ask.
1: I'll ask about where Magneto is. Yeah,
0: because we don't know. Um,
1: it's supposed to be one of the X-Men now, and he's on the cover in the little panel of all the X-Men. Right. I'm.
0: Yeah. Now, here's one of those things where we're not. Be, we're being too, the only two X Men fans of this era that didn't read New Mutants. <laughs> I, I think by this point, he has already kind of taken over as mentor of the New Mutants. Yeah. And the X Men, I think we're entering the era where the X Men aren't at the school as much. Yeah. And they're kind of roaming around. Um, I think they'll go back every now and then, but they're, they're all kind of mad that Magneto's there. And Storm's the leader of the X-Men, but Magneto's the leader of the New Mutants. And yeah. they kind of say, okay, well, the kids stay at the school. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to go be X-Men without you.
1: Right. Um, and I think well, and I guess it makes sense, too, that if, because they went to the tunnels, that someone would need to stay at the school right. with the New Mutants. and So, right. So okay, fair enough. Yeah. Although, it may be, may be a mention. Yeah. A reference.
0: And also, at the end of 206, we have Nightcrawler wandering around on his little solo adventures, still yeah. carrying over from 204. And then also, there's, a, I think it's four-issue Nightcrawler miniseries that's wrapping up. But there's no indication, no little editor's no no asterisk in here like, hey, Nightcrawler's back, see his miniseries or whatever. It's just <laughs> like, oh, suddenly he's back. No one talks about him even being gone. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, I just... Again, this is all stuff that I don't necessarily need a whole lot of panels devoted to, but just give me the, the asterisk. Or, something. yeah. Well,
1: it, it's just weird for Claremont because, as we always say, he, he's most of the time, he so over-explains everything. Right. And then just lately, in the last couple of issues, that is, he'll just periodically not explain a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then you're like, what? Maybe don't give me six pages about it, but at least a, a panel or an right. editor's <laughs> note or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So I have a continuity noodle bender question for you.
1: Noodle bender?
0: Yeah. So okay. Rachel, during these various sequences, refers to Gene a couple of times. Yeah. And she keeps referring to her mom as the phoenix. Yeah. But we recently got a retcon. Where Phoenix Gene wasn't really Jean. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: So who is Rachel's mom? Mm. <laughs> because, and I, I don't.
1: Gene is her mom. Right. Right, but is it
0: the resurrected Gene that John Byrne brought back for X Factor? Or. But
1: that's the real Gene, right? That's
0: the real, the quote Isn't, unquote real Gene.
1: The Dark Phoenix Gene. Oh, I see what you mean.
0: Is just so, an entity. But also, she would have, if we look at continuity now, now, so here's where it gets tricky. So, when Rachel comes back, it's before Jean's reincarnated or True. brought out of her cocoon. So, yeah. if you branch off the timeline, I guess her timeline, that never happened. But then Dark Phoenix also died. So, what Jean at all is, around, I'm just, it's really confusing to try to figure out what mom is in her timeline because real Jean is dead. Dark Phoenix Jean is dead. Yeah. We bring real Jean back, but if she's back, then she's not the Phoenix.
1: <laughs> I would guess... Well, I don't know, really. It's this this uh, resurrection of her. is probably one of the many reasons why Chris Claremont didn't want to bring her back.
0: <laughs> probably so. But even if he's being contrary here, like, even that's all he's doing, he still killed the Dark Phoenix before yeah. we knew about... Rachel.
1: But I guess the point is the Phoenix, the dark Phoenix and Ray and, um, Jean gray merged. Right. At one point. Right. And then mm. broke off. And then dark Phoenix broke off and created a new shell of her. Right. In the red con. Yeah. In the red Yeah. Created a new shell of her. And then Phoenix, I mean, uh, Jean gray was put in the ground somewhere, whatever, whatever, whatever happened to her. I forgot. She's like a cocoon or something. Yeah. Cocoon. Um, and so I guess the idea is that even though technically the cocoon body comes back, and so that would be the one that then gave birth to Rachel. Okay. Then I guess there's still some connection with her being Dark Phoenix, even if she herself wasn't Dark Phoenix. Right. It was well, still her that was bonded to the Dark Phoenix, even if it turns out it was just briefly.
0: Right. Well, and, and extra spoilers, we know that that even retconned uncocooned Gene will still have brushes with the Phoenix power in the future. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's just, with what we know now, it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, I, this is a, I think this is a retcon that is going to take Claremont a while to sort out. <laughs> I think that, because it, because it is such a complicated one because so many things happened. Right. And it's so obvious that that wasn't the intention.
0: Yes. Well, he won't even try to sort it out for
1: years. Yeah, it'd be different if it's like, you know, clearly they were going to bring Gene back and that was all part of the plan. It's obvious Claremont did not want that to happen or at least had no intention of it.
0: Yeah, not back then anyway.
1: It's going to take him a while to kind of work that out. So I guess this is kind of part of that. But I agree. It is it is kind of a weird. And at what point did the timelines diverge? I mean, I guess once Rachel comes back, it's after that. Right. But at what point do we get a divergence? I don't know. And did Scott ever have sex with the Dark Phoenix? Yes. So there you go. I don't know why I felt like we needed to have a congressional committee on that. (laughs) Oh man. Scott says, I did not have sex with that Phoenix.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did not have Phoenix relations. Define Phoenix. All right, so let's talk about the end with okay. Wolverine here. Or do you have anything else you want to talk about before then?
1: Um, no.
0: I mean, I do want to say I like Ramina's getting a little more wild with Wolverine's Logan here. I kind of dig it.
1: Yeah, I do too. It's,
0: it's bushier and more, more classic kind of wolveriney. Yeah. That which is a new word, wolveriney.
1: wolverine yeah. I'm not crazy about when they have his chops go so far up his cheeks.
0: Yeah, I never well, take, okay. but. It's okay.
1: It's okay when it's a particular wild picture.
0: Right. All right. So at the end, Wolverine shows up between this psychic battle between Selene uh, and Rachel. And he tries to stop Rachel. Do you think he would? I know we're trying to grow Wolverine to conscience.
1: You know what? I think we should save this to talk about with 208. Okay. Because they have a big fight about what he does. Okay. And I had some thoughts on that, and I think it'll make, let's do it, let's do that whole discussion together, because I I, okay. I actually have kind of a problem with it, so.
0: Okay, well, then we will table this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, but in 207, uh, the art, I think, is great. I agree. This is, you know, we, we've talked about how Ramita started off stronger than we remembered, and then he kind of... Went a little bit mediocre at times, more like our memories, sir. But now he's back in this issue to awesome again. Yeah, I agree. And part of it is because he does really great stuff with Wolverine. And there's just so many awesome individual panels that it's just fantastic.
1: Yep, I agree. All
0: right, so what yep. do you think of the story?
1: Uh, I think it's really good. There's a few... Uh, well, I, I Really, I have to kind of talk about it together with 208. Because I think... I have an issue with kind of how this plays out. Okay. And Rachel overall, I don't... I mean, she's supposed to be a teenager, right? Or no, She's she
0: uh, older? Older teenager, probably 18, 19. Yeah, I am only like 12. She's older but... than Kitty.
1: Yeah, 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 everyone is. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Especially so, in Colossus,
1: oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I guess because she's so... She seems so unwilling to understand why the X-Men are mad, which I don't really understand why she doesn't understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like right. she took everyone's life force and was going to kill everybody in the galaxy, which even if even if you think, well, it was the necessary steps.
0: But, but if you go back to Secret Wars, the the idea, the hope was... Either Beyonder destroys it all and does what he wants to do, or I use everybody and I destroy everybody, but I also destroy the Beyonder and the Phoenix Force will recreate the Earth. And most people will be kind of like they were, maybe.
1: Yeah, but it still doesn't make...
0: No, it's, it's not still the have right You to move.
1: expect that people would be upset about that. Right. <laughs> Especially Storm, who said no. Right. And then she took it anyway. And then took everybody's. And so, you know, there, there's, there's a part of this that is Rachel kind of being a baby. A
0: little bit, yeah.
1: About a lot of it. And then the jump to the Celine stuff.
0: This it feels like a tantrum. It's, it's a tantrum, and it's kind of random. <laughs> just all of a sudden she remembers this guy who helped her at
1: the very beginning. Right. And boy, was he a hunk. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's just like... I gotta kill Selene. Well, okay, I don't know what this has to do with anything. I, it's all good and I enjoyed it a lot. It's just the, I don't know, to me the, the, uh, the, the connections weren't quite there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my synopsis of the plot was the parts that were confusing, they were, well, confusing. There you go. And the parts that aren't weren't all that great to me. I don't think I enjoyed the Rachel story quite as much as you. I'm not, I'm not real sure where I stand on her as a, a character in these early days I, I she will turn into something I like later but I'm just yeah. not sure where I am with her at this point but overall the art was so good and the story was good enough. Um, I'm gonna grade uncanny X-men 207 with four out of six claws. Yeah. So, where are you at with it? I
1: think I'm gonna say four out of six too okay I kind of leaning towards five. To me, the, the disconnect, it really feels like they just had two different ideas for stories, and they said, let's just mash these together. <laughs> Someone's like, oh, yeah. So, you know, but it, I, I liked it a lot. I, I would go back and forth between a five, four okay. and five. So, but I'll stick with four.
0: All right. Sounds good. We're back. We're back. I forgot to say we were leaving, but we left. Sorry, you figured it out. We went and had some drinks. Had a night on the town. But now we're going to talk about Uncanny X-Men. <laughs> now we're going to talk about Uncanny X-Men number 208. 208. This is written by Chris Claremont. With art by John Romina Jr. And Dan Green. <laughs> uh, letters by Tom Horne Colors by Gwyneth Oliver. And we have a John Romita Jr. And Dan Green cover. (laughs) And yeah, that cover's okay. Basically, it's it's a hot pink background of Nimrod's hot pink face. And we have the classic heroes versus villains on the sides. We have X-Men versus redesigned Hellfire Club that looks just terrible.
1: Yeah, they really do. Um, Sebastian Shaw looks like the
0: Green Goblin. A little bit, with a ribbon and a ponytail. Yeah. Um, we have that guy on top that looks like a fat punk rocker. Looks <laughs> like a little kung fu guy. And then my favorite, though, on the co- is Leland's new costume. He doesn't look like a supervillain. He looks like either a kid, like a, just a fat kid that made a little costume to play in his backyard. Or... He kind of looks like the Simpsons comic book guy if he dressed up like a superhero. <laughs> he
1: does. I think he looks like the Hamburglar. <laughs> Again, Katie, Katie uh, uh, Kitty also looks like the Hamburglar. Right. This so is her Hamburglar outfit. Yeah. Although it looks less Hamburglar-y than it did. Yes. We're
0: getting closer outfit. to the classic Shadow Cat costume. Yeah.
1: This one becomes a little more, it's a little more punk rock now than it was Yeah. before.
0: Yeah, anyway, yeah, this cover looks
1: like the comic book guy. That's funny.
0: <laughs> Best cover ever. <laughs> but no, it's not. No, it's not. It's okay. All right. Well, inside, um, we pick back up in the Morlock tunnels where Kitty is really indignant about Wolverine gutting Rachel. Yeah,
1: she's very mad about
0: it. Yeah, Wolverine sticks to his gut, or uh, I mean claws. Um, Storm intervenes and initiates the search for Rachel, uh, enlisting the Morlocks for help. Which I thought they already did that, but whatever. Selene eats some souls in Central Park to restore herself after her fight with Rachel. She then calls an emergency Hellfire Club meeting to discuss the new Phoenix. Shaw wants her alive. But Nimrod finds Rachel first. Rachel uses her TK to suture her wounds, She finds Selene's handiwork, aka corpses in the park, and curses Wolverine because those bodies are on his head, because he stopped her from killing Selene in the first place. So she decides, instead of going after Selene, she's going to track down Wolverine and attack him. Kitty phases him away, and the Nightcrawler teleports them both to safety. With Wolverine now out of commission, the X-Men enlist Caliban to try and track Rachel. The Hellfire Club and X-Men find Rachel at the same time. So fight, fight, fight! <laughs> while Rachel I, I, hides, I, I, I... yeah. While Rachel hides, the X-Men are nearly defeated when Nimrod shows up. Yeah, to be continued. Not a
1: great cliffhanger.
0: Yeah, <laughs> not nearly as good as last time.
1: Although it would be, just that Nimrod is so dumb. Yeah, yeah, or look so dumb, I should say, <laughs>
0: like a pink Gobot. Yeah. Okay. So Kitty's super pissed and really hurt.
1: Yeah. So let's let's get into this now All because right. I think, on the one hand, I get obviously it makes sense why Kitty's mad because he's basically killed Rachel. Yes. Um, it kind of makes sense that Wolverine doesn't want the X Men to just be execution. Right, But I don't know that it really makes sense that Wolverine would kill a, a friend, an associate, an X-Men, to save a villain. Right. And yeah. so I feel like there's a bit of a jump. Because I also feel like in the future we will have specifically the uh, the X-Force, the version of X-Force they made in the early or late 2000s. Mm-hmm. Where it was like Wolverine and uh, and um,
0: Archangel and Deadpool and yeah Starry yeah yeah, and, yeah.
1: Well, that was kind of a death squad yeah not not exactly but but it was kind of like that I mean it was they're the, the the wet works right to use a <laughs> to use another comic right of uh That's of right. the X Men and so I thought I I don't know that I I really think this is a stand that Wolverine would take.
0: Well, so here's a little bit of the difference that I see. And I'm going to basically agree with you, but I'm going to start off maybe a little bit different. The X-Men are not X-Force, which I agree, X-Force is a beast unto itself later. The Wolverine-led X-Force. I think because Kenny and Rachel and all of them are so young, he's starting to kind of his first stab at kind of, Wolverine pun, Um, first stab at kind of taking on a mentorship role to, to some of the younger mutants. So I think, in that regard, he doesn't want them to follow his path, and he doesn't want them to kill or to be murderers. Because one of the things we talked about during the confrontation between yeah between him and Rachel last issue was the the distinction that Wolverine placed between killing and murder. That not all right. killing is murder, that some killing is just has to happen. Right. But I agree with you. I think in most instances in the future, and even really with Wolverine's character now, even trying to be more of a hero for the, the X-Men, I still don't think he would kill Rachel. Or try to kill Rachel. Yeah, if that, I... if he would try to stop her, but if he felt like that was his last resort, he would talk, her, try to talk her down, try to talk her out of it, but if she did it, then he would deal with that consequence for her later. Like, like he'd be like, I don't want you to do this, but I'm not going to, like, I can't stop you. Yeah. But, well, you know, <clears throat> maybe after this, we kick you off the X-Men or whatever. I don't, I don't think he would kill her to protect Selene.
1: No, I don't think so either. I also think, I'll throw another thing in there. I agree with you about him making that distinction. And because even with um, Katie in the 205 or whatever, whichever one that was, where, where she was trying to kill them. And he's like, no, right. you don't do that. And so I get that, but Rachel is different than the others because she has killed before.
0: True. She's not
1: like Kitty, who, you know, you know it's like, Wolverine doesn't want her to kill because that crosses some kind of line for her that she can't come back from. Right. Rachel's killed before. She has that very dark future past, right? <laughs> in which she was part of a whole lot of people getting killed.
0: Right. And so I don't think it would, it doesn't make sense
1: that he would make the same kind of mentor argument with her that he might with a kitty or like Jubilee later or someone like that.
0: Well, the only thing I would say to that, though, is that the whole focus of Rachel's character arc to this point has been her trying to change and redeem herself of her past. And I can see Wolverine wanting to help her do that. Yeah. I'll also say,
1: because Celine is a character who routinely murders people. Right. I definitely don't think that this is the same thing.
0: Well, and I, yeah. And because of who Sawin is, I don't know if this is where Wolverine would make his stand.
1: Right now a storm. I get it. She's totally against death. Not, right. not nonviolence, but, but she's not someone who's going to be in favor of death. Wolverine, who's someone who believes strongly as we know right that some people need to die. Right. I feel like Celine is a character that Wolverine would most likely deem needed to die. <laughs> right. And in this case, I just, it just seems so extreme for him not to try to stop her, like you said, but to go the length of actually him killing Rachel right. to save someone who is a murderer and is going to keep on murdering. Right.
0: Yeah, it seems I, like a stretch. Yeah, I agree.
1: I mean, I get, I get why Claremont's doing this. He's really trying to push this this version of, of Wolverine, which I like, of the, you know, kind of the justified violence. It's like, it's a, killing is okay, I'll go... When I lane. say it's okay. Right, yeah, really, <laughs> that he's the... And, of course, that's part of what Kitty's mad about. It's like, so it's, you're the one that makes this determination when it's okay to kill and not. Right. But, which is, I think, a pretty fair argument. But, yeah, I think that's strange. So, I, I don't know. I have a kind of a problem with that whole part of the story because it just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to fit that Wolverine would kill Rachel, even as mad as they are at her, right that he would kill her to protect someone who constantly murders people. Right.
0: Now, if she's going crazy down in the tunnels and threatening the X-Men, like, I say, you know, we have, that's a better story to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't really take the arc for Rachel that Claremont wants to take. Yeah. But if she loses control of her powers, right? She's upset about what happened with the Beyonder. She's she's upset that the X Men are mad at her. She's having all these weird dreams, and she feels maybe like the the X Men are out to get me. They don't trust me anymore. Right. And she fights an X Men, and then Wolverine's faced with that conundrum. Then yes, I think he stabs her ten times out of ten. Yeah. With you know with all six claws. But yeah, I agree. The, making it Selene makes this less important
1: to me. Well, I would say even even she's going to kill the whole Hellfire Club. I mean, you know, it's like a little bit bigger and she's going to just wipe the whole club off the right. In that case, then even that, I think I could see more of Wolverine saying, well, the innocents are going to die in this or, you know, this is bigger than what you're doing. But yeah, this kind of targeted what is an assassination. But they did fight. It's not like
0: Right, she's
1: killing her in her sleep. I mean, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, though, we do get a mention that she maybe didn't intend to wipe out the whole inner circle, at least. Yeah, and so, but even then, I don't, I don't know. I just
1: even that these are all people that kill people all the time, and the X Men, Wolverine would kill any one of those people.
0: Wolverine already tried to kill Newland and Pierce in previous occasions. Yeah, and and, so. and
1: would, he would easily kill all of those people in a fight. It's just something about Rachel sneaking in, even though they then fight. Yeah. I don't
0: know. But even Shaw is like, well, I don't believe you, Celine, because the X-Men don't sneak into our Hellfire Club. They leave us perfectly alone unless we kidnap them. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of
0: weird. We do get an awesome snick on page two. We do. It
1: is a very cool snick. I really like... Are you ready to move on from that? Or do you want to tell yeah, us? no, yeah. So, I
0: think we, we've said yeah. I really like the next
1: scene. I really like what Claremont does here, where he then, after this, this fight, we then go to the park where we have a rapist who grabs a lady in the park and steals her money, was about to rape her. And then Celine shows up and eats that guy. And so for a brief moment, you think, oh, Wolverine was right, right? Because now she has saved this girl from this rapist. And so for a moment you think, well, Selene's not that bad. But then she kills the girl too. Right. And so it's like immediately Claremont's like, maybe she's not that bad. Oh, no, she is.
0: Right. She doesn't just eat bad people. She eats everybody. Right. She
1: eats everybody. And so I thought that was a really a really good effect. Especially since it, it's on one page and then you got to flip two pages because of the ads to get to where then she then turns and eats the gr- the victim. The original victim.
0: Right.
1: I thought that was a really good uh, technique on Claremont's part.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cool too.
1: For a moment, it's like, for a moment you're with Rachel, or with Wolverine, I mean. And then you're like, no, no, Rachel's right. Celine should have (laughs) died. Which is hard as such huge Wolverine fans for us to say Wolverine was wrong. Right. But it kind of seems like he was in this case. (laughs) But they don't really ever address that.
0: Well, they do, because that's why Phoenix hunts them down. And she's like, this is all Wolverine's fault. Oh, that's true. If he would have let me kill her, then these two people would both be alive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I meant Wolverine doesn't ever recognize that he should have let Rachel kill Selene. Yeah. I mean, I I get the slippery slope you know, are they just going to start target assassinating villains? Obviously, that's not something they want to do with the X-Men. No, not yet. Not yet, anyway. (laughs) But, yeah, it is... So
0: interesting so my favorite part about the hellfire club meeting is that the hellfire club have mad respect for wolverine's claws
1: <laughs> yeah they do i like that too <laughs>
0: they're like uh oh, we've been stabbed by wolverine before we don't want to do that
1: again <laughs> right. yeah that was pretty cool right. was that leland that said that yeah right yeah
0: leland doesn't even shaw said something about it earlier too so. yeah so We really like, don't want
1: to do this we're not interested in fighting wolverine <laughs> Um, and then we have this whole weird thing with Nimrod transforming into a dude with a thin mustache.
0: (laughs) I like his uh, radar hand or radar wrist, maybe.
1: Yeah. Who I guess is, did the friend die and he's taking care of the kid or is he just staying with the friend?
0: No, he rescued the friend, remember, from like a mugging or whatever. That's right. And then he took him in, he's trying to help him get a job. And then he's such a whiz at computers because nudge, nudge, wink, wink, he's a robot. <laughs> right.
1: He is a computer. Yeah. Oh, yes, But
0: no, he, and now he's, he's helping the kid with his homework, kind of being, here's a stranger in our house who helps my little kid all the time. Yeah. That, that's good stuff.
1: And I like how Nimrod deals with that. He says, How is it I feel joy? Feel anything? He's starting to become sentient
0: starting to become human
1: I guess he was already sentient, so.
0: more human than human
1: nope <laughs> not gonna go there
0: <laughs> well you know when orgasm noises over a incredibly <laughs> sliderific guitar riff
1: not today my friend. <laughs>
0: All right, well so moving on from Nimrod, on page nine. Yeah. I love these top three panels, the way they show the telepathy. Yeah, I did too. Like, you have these big words like of emotions yeah. and they kind of filter down to actual sentences, like or parts of sentences. So like you go from like love, fear, sad, hate to like what they're actually thinking and it kinda of just right. filters down. I thought that was really cool. So she feels like the broad emotions overwhelm her first and then she starts picking up individual thoughts. Yeah. And so that was a really interesting way to display that. So whether that, whoever's idea that was, whether it was all Claremont or Claremont and Ramita, uh, kudos, thumbs up to them.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it looks cool though. I like that Rachel is still in the maid costume. <laughs> That's really funny.
0: Yeah. So that panel of, of her remembering Wolverine stabbing her is awesome. We have a snick yeah. kind of down the left side. And then like mm-hmm. a broken glass panel of Rachel in red and black screaming. It's an awesome panel. It is very cool.
1: Very, very cool. Alright.
0: So I don't really have anything else. Well, no, we have another great panel of Wolverine getting fried by the Phoenix Power.
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool, too.
0: So then in the park... They kind of, they, they regained their composure a little bit. They, they got Wolverine out of the tunnel from Rachel's attack. And then Wolverine's like, oh, thanks, Kitty. I didn't know you would still want to save me. Which, which is fine, whatever. Yeah. But then Kitty's like, oh, give me a break. We're X-Men. It takes more than me to a butthead to let you die or whatever. Yeah. am not... I like this in that yes we're putting the team first that we're forgiving each other that's fine but Wolverine was either justified in what he did or he wasn't yeah but I don't know if you can downgrade attempted murder to butthead
1: yeah it is uh, it is an odd moment of levity yeah on the part of of Kitty it's like oh actually it's only it's not that big a deal that you murdered my friend right or may have murdered my friend.
0: Right. I mean, I've known you longer. That's yeah.
1: fine. It's a strange, but I, I agree with you. Well, like that's
0: that just burns. Wolverine.
1: Yeah. Ding. Seems <laughs> like it should have been more. You know, we'll, we'll deal with that later. Or right. you know, so we got we got to protect the team. You
0: know. Right. Or, you know, I may uh, not agree with you, but I don't want you to die. You
1: know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also I really dislike this hound guy or not how that's that's right what, what, is, what is that guy's name? Uh, Owen Power what's his does he have a
0: he's if there's a little uh, bow wow he's big bow wow? I guess so what's his name? why can't I remember his
1: name? Um, Von Rim oh wow, that's right
0: he's Von Rim uh, he's really
1: stupid and I the whole, he's on a chain and it's really stupid I thought yeah plus he looks dumb he does look dumb he's not cool looking he looks like a he looks like a reject
0: Dreadnought. <laughs> yeah he does. <laughs> he was, he's the S and M dreadnought. Yeah. What would yeah. his name be? Whipnet? I don't know. <laughs> oh uh,
1: something stupid.
0: Dog collar.
1: Dog collar, there
0: you go. Now get me some grape soda, mate. Oh
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah and um
0: And then Nimrod looks just as go erific as ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we we kind of brushed over the fight. There's uh, Rogue, Tackles, Venrim, or Vonrim, and so she becomes Selene's puppet because he was Selene's puppet. Yeah, so there's that part. Colossus gets buried, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The fight was cool, but there's no particular highlights, I don't think.
1: Nah, I think uh, Steel Rogue is kind of cool. Yeah takes Colossus's power. I didn't really think it made sense that when she took Von Reim's power that she then also, that Rogue also then came under the spell or under the control of Selene.
0: Yeah, because she gets his memories, but she doesn't get, I, I guess they're saying the transfer of the consciousness.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think that really made a lot of sense. Yeah, and know. the fact that falling down then got rid of it is also didn't really make sense.
0: Uh, she fell down and bumped a noggin.
1: Because it's the power transfer takes time Like yeah. it, to go back. It takes a while, especially with the Colossus one. She has that for a while. It's weird that in that case, it's like just a second. Yeah. And then she falls down. She's like, oh, never mind.
0: <laughs> oh, Ma, I got a bump on the noggin last Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. All right. Well, anything else on 208? Uh, nah. All right. So I thought the art was pretty good. Not quite as good as 207, but still, I liked it. I enjoyed it quite yeah, a bit. It's good. I thought the story was a little better. I I, I can do without Rachel's incessant internal whining, but, you know, whatever. Yeah.
1: It's a bit much. Yeah. It, and it just gets worse as we get into the next one.
0: Yeah. So I thought but, this issue still had some issues, but it was much more coherent to me. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to actually grade up a little bit. I'm going to give, we didn't have quite as many awesome Wolverine panels. True. But I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men 208, five out of six claws. Well, I hate to copy,
1: but I'm going to say the same thing. Okay. Because I I did enjoy, I enjoyed this, I enjoyed the story more. I enjoyed the other one, but this one even more. Especially because this one, really my biggest problem with the other one was that I didn't think the two sides of the story really made sense together. Just kind of random. Right. But this one is a you know, it's one story, and so I thought it was more coherent. And there were less things in this one where it was like, What would have where did this come from, and why did this happen? The kind of stuff that's happening off the panel that you're talking about, so, right? So, and I thought that that moment where Celine eats the rapist and then also the victim, of a, yeah. really
0: good yeah, it was a really nice turn of events.
1: So, right, yeah, well.
0: five out of six. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's move on to 209. Let's do
1: it. And we're back. We're
0: back. Uncanny X-Men 209. 209. Salvation.
1: Salvation. Chris Claremont, writer. John Romita
0: Jr. Breakdowns. Breakdowns. Come on and give it to me.
1: P. Craig Russell, guest finisher. Tom <laughs> <laughs> um, Orthakowski, letterer, and Glennis Oliver, colors.
0: <laughs> oh, guest finisher.
1: Yeah. Okay, so uh, we have a cover that would be great if it was not Nimrod that Colossus was fighting. Because <laughs> the... It looks really cool to me. I really like the Colossus. I like the, everything about it, except that Nimrod is just so stupid looking that it just doesn't look cool because Nimrod doesn't look cool.
0: Yeah. My note on the cover was pretty good for a pink Go-Bot. I like like his cracking, like where, where Colossus is grabbing him on the right. wrist. Yeah. Like, he's, he's breaking apart. I thought that was a nice touch, and all the action lines are good. I agree. Everything except, everything except the design
1: of Nimrod. Yeah. It's just really, that's really the only problem. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be a
0: great couple. So before you get into
1: the, the plot, okay. did you know
0: that in the future, pink and GoBots had really nice, sculpted butts?
1: I didn't know that.
0: Okay, well, all
1: right. But now I do, and I feel <laughs> like my life is better now. But I know that fact. And now I can't wait for the future.
0: <laughs> in the year um. 2000... <laughs>
1: Okay, so 209. so we open up, we're right where we left off. Nimrod, who in the very last panel of stands, uh shows up and yells, Mutants!
0: <laughs> Super loud. Yeah.
1: And so here we have a Nimrod in the sky, where we see an up-close shot of his sculpted butt. You just <laughs> and then below him is the X-Men and the Hellfire Club. So we have a Nimrod versus the X-Men versus the Hellfire Club. Rachel has disappeared somewhere off pouting yeah which this whole basically this whole comic is a long fight between nimrod x-men hellfire club periodically with scenes of rachel whining
0: yeah pretty much
1: and then uh well i'll kind of pace it a little bit more but that's pretty much the whole (laughs)
0: pretty much the whole yeah
1: so we have this big fight rachel's really i mean for her she's really struggling and again this this is what i was complaining about before and it gets worse in this in this issue because she's really goes back and forth between basically just, I should help the X-Men screw them. They don't, they don't, they're not supporting me. Right. It just real being a real baby. And it just really brings back the home that it brings back the point that it doesn't make any sense. Why, why she doesn't understand why they're so angry. Right. It's like, yes, they should not have been, Quite as cold to her. Maybe they should have made a little bit more effort, especially Rogue and and um, Storm and a Storm, storm in the, Kitty, in the,
0: and Colossus, really everyone.
1: Everybody, but but especially Rogue and Storm, because they they talk. Is that that's the previous issue I think where they're yeah. like both know what it's like to be an outsider, to feel desperate and all that. But still, it, it doesn't make any sense that Rachel would straight up abandon everybody. Then again, Wolverine did stab her in the stomach, and so <laughs> maybe there's. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a little more justification on her part than than I'm giving her credit for. But either way, she's kind of laying in the ground bleeding, kind of going back and forth of whether she should help or not. Nimrod, who – one of my biggest problems with Nimrod here is that he moves so slow at points but then really fast at other points. It's like so something happens and he obliterates the Vaughn Reim guy and then otherwise he's just kind of in the sky – scanning. What is the (laughs) word he Scanalysis? He says scanalysis. Right. Everyone, and it just seems like sometimes he immediately processes stuff and moves really quickly, but then other times it seems like he's just sitting there processing for a really long time.
0: Right.
1: Because he gives the X-Men and the Hellfire Club a pretty substantial amount of time to discuss what they want to do and whether or not they want to join forces and where they should go while he just kind of seemingly floats in the sky, which I thought (laughs) was really strange. Anyway, uh, we also get lots of in the nick of time things in this issue. Yes. A whole lot of someone shows up right in the nick of time. So we go back to this. One of the first things that happens as the X-Men and the Hellfire Club are basically talking about they need to join forces so they can fight Nimrod. Steel Rogue flies out of the ground in a pretty cool panel. Kitty then jumps into the ground. When she jumps out of the ground... She uh, basically disorients Leland, who is the one who had dropped Colossus down into the ground. Right. I can't remember if we mentioned that in the last I place. probably
0: skipped it, yeah.
1: Yeah, but anyway, Colossus is deep underground. And so Rogue bursts out of the ground, Leland's confused, Katie jumps in the ground, phases down to go catch Colossus. Wolverine and Nightcrawler then show up right behind the little human weird guys that the Pellfire Club brings. In a great moment where they show up and say... Yoke jumps, my blue furried friend Buddy's Nightcrawler. I'm Wolverine. We're X-Men 2. won a party? And then it shows them running out of the woods. Right. <laughs> it says, guess not.
0: That's my favorite section of the
1: comic I thought, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> um, yeah. And so anyway, Rogue uses Nimrod to take care of Shaw. Nimrod basically throws Shaw in space or something. Yeah. He recognizes, of course, that Shaw gains power when he gets hit. And so it's, again, Nimrod doesn't make a lot of sense because it seems like he has all this good information and knows everything. Still, so can't seem to beat anybody. Right. Although he does beat a few of these guys. So Shaw gets thrown out,
0: presumably into space. Although he's not dead forever, so I don't know where 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 he comes back later. I guess. In this issue.
1: No, Shaw will get back in this issue.
0: Yeah He does. Leland brings focus. Is when's dying? So all right, we'll, we'll wait till we get there. I'll, okay. I'll show you.
1: I, I, I anyway um that happens uh, rachel being a real big baby as the as the fight is basically going the x-men are still kind of fighting the hellfire club while they're all fighting nimrod it's not really clear it's like they kind of say we need to team up but they're still kind of fighting each other it's very bizarre rachel still crying being a baby about it all then she finds a gate and uses what she calls a telekinetic jimmy, which I thought was really fun, <laughs> and gets in there and turns out it's the Body Shoppy.
0: The Body Shoppy.
1: They spell it S H O P P.
0: Which is nice and like future psychedelic looking.
1: Yeah, it is, it is. It doesn't look at all like the Body Shop looked. No. That's right. It's a much more bookstore. magical place. Yeah, which I guess the idea is this is what they're, this is the sales room, not <laughs> right. the lab. Right. So basically, they're trying to convince Rachel to go with them, and Rachel can be anyone she wants to be and change herself. And so she's struggling with that. Meanwhile, everybody's still fighting Nimrod. Kurt tries to do a rerun on Nimrod, and phase part of Nimrod, which is what they've done before. But Storm says, no, he learns from each battle. He's a computer! <laughs> but Kurt doesn't listen. Nimrod, of course, knows what's happening and blasts Kurt so hard that Storm wonders if Kurt was fully disintegrated or not. Yeah. Or if he's off, and we don't find out. We point.
0: don't know yet, yeah.
1: Leland then has a heart attack, randomly. Yeah. Yeah. Working so hard, has a heart attack.
0: Oh, every fat guy in comic book has a heart attack. he's going
1: to have a heart attack at some point. Colossus then, at the last second, comes out of the ground. You know, I believe they've done this several times, but... Hand reaches out of the ground and grabs Nimrod's foot.
0: Yeah. Katie then, I
1: mean, Kitty. I keep saying Katie. Kitty phases through Nimrod, which disrupts his computer circuits. She was also in Colossus.
0: As Ooh. They went up to... Yeah, they've done that before.
1: They have done that before. And so, uh, so Nimrod didn't recognize them. And so they come out, and then Colossus starts wrecking Nimrod. And then right before Wolverine finishes the job, Nimrod teleports. And then that's it. Oh, and then Rachel agrees to go up the spiral staircase in the body shop. <laughs> and so she goes what? in. She goes down the rabbit hole, as they say. Um. Oh, and the X Men, the uh, Hellfire Club, let the X Men come back to the Hellfire Club to hide from the cops.
0: Well, before that. So. In Leland's dying like, breath, he reaches out into space. And increases Shaw's uh, mass to the point, and he uh, falls like a meteor from space into Nimrod's body.
1: Ah, uh, I, I totally missed that that's what hit Nimrod.
0: Yeah, and so that makes a crater, and that's when Wolverine's gonna go finish the job on the pile of junk that is uh, Nimrod. I see when nimrod, even in a million pieces, can still teleport away.
1: Also, how did Leland? He doesn't have any telekinetic power, so it's it's. I don't, I don't
0: know how he did, how they determine like what the range is on the stuff he can.
1: Yeah. Change
0: the mass on, and
1: he does well, do he it would, mentally. he could do it all the way into space, and that Shaw would then land specifically on that point. Yeah. I don't Which know means if he, can... he must have gone straight up into space and then into orbit. And then stayed orbiting with the Earth as it moved. So that when he fell down, it was in the exact same moment. I don't know. That was kind mm-hmm. of a weird thing. Uh, it's <laughs> panel in 21 of Wolverine. After Nimrod uh, teleports, it's a really funny panel of Wolverine, I think. Yeah. They stand there with his hair blowing in the wind. He's
0: standing in the crater, but the edge of the crater looks like wind. Yeah, and <laughs> and his his hairs hairs are like, the moon's
1: hair is It looks like the, the final scene of a. Uh, of a romance movie. Yes,
0: it does. <laughs> it looks like Mel Gibson a little bit. It does a little bit.
1: So that's that story.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Which I enjoyed it in spite of how I kind of reviewed it as we went through. But I I it that was good. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. And what do you think of the art in this one? Um
1: I think it's it's okay, it's not as good as the two before. It's like Ramita had a great issue and kinda of got a little worse and then a little worse <laughs> on here. Although I guess it's not Romeo Ram- oh, it's kind of Romina. Maybe Craig Russell, we have to blame him since
0: he's the one yeah. finishing all of. These but Craig, his, right. his finish was not a happy ending.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's it's not bad, but it's definitely not as good as the two previous.
0: Yeah. So I thought the story pretty much like you said, just a fight issue, but it's a pretty good fight issue. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm really on the fence because I don't remember the outcome really on on the fence with the whole Rachel Spiral thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And part of that is because I don't remember where it goes because I'm not digging Rachel that much right now, so I can't yeah. remember if this makes her better or worse.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm in I'm the same boat. I don't really remember either. Um, my, my, the biggest irritant in this again, Nimrod, who's just so 80s. Everything about Nimrod is so 80s. Yeah. So much more than you know, there's a lot of 80s stuff, obviously, as we read these comics that are from the 80s.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> but so much of the X-Men stuff is not, is, doesn't feel so dated. Like a few of the costumes here and there, but right. a lot of it, other than, you know, like phrases and stuff, but it's like, it's not that dated. But Nimrod just seems so 80s. Just the way he talks, the way he looks, certainly, the weird kind of robot voice talk that he does. Really, I find I find him really obnoxious, and so while I really enjoy pretty much everything in this comic, it, it still still irritates me.
0: Yeah. Well, when I mean, well, we did find out what the body shopping actually is. Yeah. And it's um, it is kind of a a place out of time and space. Yeah. Miss Spider can control with her magic.
1: And so yeah. she yeah, she's basically tricking people by promising that she can change them into whatever they want but that she's then going to control them which she says
0: they definitely have a slogan um, the body shoppy guarantees results or your money back
1: yeah
0: there's a money back guarantee my least favorite thing about Nimrod is that in the event or in the attempt to make him the super powerful future enemy I feel like his power is like magic robot science yeah and I don't know. I there's, that's fine to a point, but I feel like like on the one hand I like like oh we adapt, you know the adaptability yeah. we change our powers to fight the X Men, but then everything becomes a MacGuffin at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of like, well, okay, but I don't know.
1: Well, in some ways he, he's just kind of become a super Sentinel.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's really what he is. I mean, yeah. he's, he's uh-
1: That's where he's going with it. But so it's like the same thing. But yeah, he's so powerful that he could just kind of do whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not compelling. It's too silly and too powerful at the same time. (laughs) I did think it was interesting that we have two deaths in this comic. I don't remember if Leland or Von Rehm come back.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so... I was a little disappointed that we ran out of pages and didn't get to have the uh, the claw-on-claw claw fight between Von Rim and Wolverine, because they were about to go at it.
1: Yeah, it seems like that should have been in there. At least one page of that, or at least right. one panel. But yeah, and I, I, I think he dies. Hmm. I mean, he disintegrates him. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so, I, I mean, he does die. But I, I don't know that he comes back, him or Leland.
0: I don't remember. I think we might see Leland again. I can't remember. I don't rem- I didn't even remember that Von Rem existed. So I don't think we'll see him again.
1: I don't think so either. I, it feels like it feels like they really want to do something for the Hellfire Club. And they were just like, we need to get rid of some of these guys. And so they, in this issue, they're like, we'll just have them kill these two guys. Right. Which just seems kind of random. Oh, have two deaths I mean not major deaths because it's neither of them are very interesting characters Leland's okay
0: yeah
1: but oh. I don't
0: know what the white this? queen was noticeably absent in this whole story arc yeah she was I know she's dead. doing her own thing with the Massachusetts Academy <laughs> but um,
1: yep. keep but bringing yeah. that up <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but she was noticeably absent so I thought that yeah, was interesting not not there alright well when you want to grade on Kenny X-Men 209
1: I'm gonna give it a five still five
0: out of six okay even okay. though the art's not quite as good but i, I still i felt the story was really
1: good and I, I, it was fast-paced and i you know i was reading and, and really enjoying it a lot i
0: right i'm gonna go back down to four out of six i enjoyed it but it didn't knock my socks off so i thought it was just a yeah. nice solid above average read
1: so yeah
0: Alright, well, cool. You have time to uh, stick around for some bonus saber tooth material?
1: No, I gotta go.
0: Okay. Alright, well, why don't you plug your stuff and then I'll jump on and do the saber tooth.
1: Alright. You can follow me at Cameron Sinclair, my podcast, History Banter Podcast, at History Banter on Twitter. I plugged the last episode that we were having a, a show. We were going to do a, sh- a live show at Allenwood Draft House, uh, Cinema and Richardson. We're still probably going to do that, but it's not going to be the movie that I plugged before, which I think was Save Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on a different movie. And so it, we're still going to have it, but it won't be at the same time. So if you're the one person that was interested, <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, follow the Twitter and I'll, once I get a, a date and a time and a movie settled. I'll, I'll start plugging it pretty yeah. heavy, I'm sure.
0: So stay tuned.
1: Yeah, stay tuned. Basically.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that was Wolverine Year Twelve, Part Two, and we'll, we'll move on in a minute and uh, catch up with Sabretooth. So, thanks, Cameron, for coming on.
1: No problem. We'll thanks for right. having me. Yeah,
0: we'll see you next time.
1: All right. You want to know
0: what? One solitary clap at the end of that. It was really funny. That's
1: great. All right. See you later. All
0: right. All right. Well, Cameron bailed on me because, well, let's face it. He's a bailer. (laughs) Of hay. No, but anyway, um, he had a jet. But I still want to talk about... A couple of Sabretooth appearances catch us up with what's going on with him. You know, because in... I mean, it hasn't been that long on the podcast, but in real-life reading time, it's been four years since Sabretooth has last appeared in a comic. That was in Power Man and Iron Fist, number 84. And he had moved kind of from a thug to hire to a serial killer, uh, kind of back to a thug for hire. That's kind of still where he is at this point. So... And we haven't seen him in Marvel, dumb, in Marvel Universe for a a good four years almost. But he shows back up in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 116, and then going on for a few issues. So, 116 is 102 uses for a dead cat. This is written by Peter David, with pencils by Rich Buckler, inks by Bob McLeod. Letters by Joe Rosen. Colors by Bob Sharon. And the cover is also by Rich Buckler. It has Sabretooth taking a swipe with his claws at the black costume Spider-Man. And it says in letter boxes, Spider-Man is down to his last costume. Sabretooth has just ruined it. Pray for Sabretooth. And art-wise, it's a great cover. Uh, Sabretooth looks nice and mean. Uh, of course, Buckler's Spider-Man. Particularly, the black one always looks really nice. The letter boxes, well, they're they're, they're fine. I don't mind the little 80s, 70s letter boxes and kind of the, the cheese that comes with it. They could have been placed a little better. The second one is next to Spider Man's head, and that's fine. But the first one is kind of covering up Sabretooth. So that could have been handled maybe a little better. But all in all, it's a pretty good cover. So, what we have in this issue is uh, if you're reading Spectacular Spider Man at this time, Black Cat has just lost her bad luck powers because she inadvertently cast them on Spider-Man and he went to Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange removed them but said, you know what? This might go back to the power source. And it did. So Black Cat lost her uh, bad luck superpowers that the Kingpin had given her. So that's where we pick up. So Black Cat, having just lost her bad luck powers, gets her nose broke by a mohawk working for the foreigner, who's understandably hot-blooded Uh Uh-oh, after she broke into his office. Uh, spider drama. Then Sabretooth meets up with his old mentor, the foreigner, for a job. Hmm, I wonder if he showed Sabretooth what love is. Black Cat fights her way loose. More spider drama. The foreigner takes Sabretooth to his office, where the thermostat is set at 103 degrees, only to find he's been burglarized. Sabretooth picks up Black Cat's scent and is on the hunt. Spidey confronts Black Cat about all the bad luck stuff. After he leaves in a huff, Sabretooth sneaks in. But before Sabretooth can attack the Black Cat, Spider-Man swings back in to the rescue. Sabretooth and Spidey tussle around town. Eventually, Spider-Man webs his face. But Sabretooth rips the webbing off, taking a lot of skin with it. In utter agony, Spider-Man takes Sabretooth to the hospital. No, really. Remember, this is back before Sabretooth. Well, before we knew about his healing factor. So the foreigner sees it on the news and decides to take care of Black Cat himself to be continued. So a couple of funny things. Um, the cool thing about being a Spider-Man is you can badmouth your girl all you want because she can't slap you because of spider sense. You can just dodge it. You know, Peter Parker is kind of a jerk. <laughs> so when Sabretooth first confronts Black Cat, he says, I'm going to quote unquote skin you in more ways than one. I'm not really sure what that means. I, I mean, I know the one way, but I'm not sure about the other. I mean, I guess it's a play on the words more than one way to skin a cat. I mean, Peter David's is pretty clever. I'm sure that's what he's doing. I mean, he's Peter David clever anyway. But I thought it was kind of dirty sounding and possibly maybe like a rape reference. Mm, I hope not. That's mm, mm. But also Black Cat calls him White Fang, which I thought was funny because I heart White Fang. Um, And Spider-Man calls them whiskers, which that's funny. Uh, so here's what we learned about Sabretooth in this issue. And he learned from the foreigner. So they have a mentor relationship. He loves beer. Apparently, it's not just an artistic choice. According to the foreigner in this story, Sabretooth really doesn't have pupils. <laughs> which I thought was... No, no, that's just Peter David trying to be funny, like Peter David. Or if the thought was at this time that sabertooth actually only had white eyeballs which would be really weird i know people draw him that way a lot to look cool but it'd be very odd if that was actually how his eyes were we get a nice classic sabertooth crouch in the office we talked about that with cameron kind of the same as the wolverine crouch where he's kind of on his tippy toes but his legs are folded and his knees are out pretty cool he looks nice Sabretooth drools a lot that's another thing we learned in this issue um, in the fight with Spidey, even with spider sense, he lands a good scratch, but he gets beat and hospitalized. Uh-oh, by webbing to the face. Like I said, we still have no knowledge of his healing factor, so I guess the retcon you can say is that remember back in the 80s, Wolverine's healing factor worked a lot slower, and you can say the same thing about Sabretooth if he had one, and we just didn't know it. Then it would have worked pretty slow, and. You know ripping off your face with some spider webbing would hurt really really bad and probably make you pass out so we'll just go with that he, he'll heal later but for now it knocked him out yeah so the art in this book was really good rich buckler did a great job really liked his saber tooth and as far as the story i mean it's peter david so there's lots of melodrama and kind of humor that works sometimes and sometimes doesn't but the spider drama is in a pretty good way I'm kind of on the fence with his take on Sabretooth. It was a really good fight. I would prefer, like, after he ripped the webbing off and it it kind of made him hurt really, really bad that he just kind of skulked off or, you know, ran off and hid somewhere instead of going to the hospital. But that's just me. But overall, I'm going to give Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, 116, four out of six claws. All right, so really just barely. He's also in issue 117. This is part of the Where is Spider-Man arc. This is script by Peter David. Storytelling by Rich Buckler. Dwayne Turner did the pencils. Then we have an army of inkers, which is never a good sign. And we have Bob McCloud, Del Barras, Keith Williams, and Joseph Rubenstein. Joe Rosen, Rick Parker, Bill Oakley, and Ken Lopez did the letters. Nell Yamtov did the colors. And this is dinner hour. On the cover, we have Doctor Strange trying to zap Black Cat and our big Where is Spider-Man logo on the wall, which is probably the best part of the cover. The cover's not all that great. I think it's by Rich Buckler, but it's okay. So basically, in this issue, Black Cat gets a terrible new haircut and costume, both terrible, and goes to fight the foreigner. But you can't beat those soft rock melodies, so she joins him to take down Spider-Man. The art in this issue is not nearly as good. The story has snappy dialogue, but this is one of those where Peter David being too funny fails at times, and the plot in and of itself is pretty meh. So I'm going to give Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 117, two out of six claws. Oh, and by the way, what we're talking about, Sabretooth is only in there because they recapped the previous issue before Black Cat attacks Doctor Strange. She told you why. What's going on? This is what's been happening in my life. So then we skip an issue, but we catch back up to Sabretooth and Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 119. This one, I think we're back to our regular creative team. We have Peter David did the script, art by Rich Buckler and Bob McCloud. Rick Parker did the letters, and Dean Martin did the colors. The cover is also by Rich Buckler and it's a picture of Spider-Man swinging around in his black costume and Sabretooth scratching through the paper. So while earlier in X-Men we had a really cool cover of Wolverine scratching with his claws kind of through the image. Well here again we have Sabretooth where he's actually behind the image coming out at you and you see his claws and his face behind the tears. And of note on this cover he most definitely has pupils. Red slanty cat pu- pupil. Ugh. Pupil is a hard word for me to say. Um, but he has red catty pupils, so not all white eyes. So either Richard Buckler didn't get the memo, or, you know, maybe he can't actually see. <laughs> <laughs> so in this issue, um, after his last tussle with Spider Man, when we left off in 116, Sabretooth wakes up in the hospital. After violently escaping, he unwraps his face to reveal a jigsaw puzzle of scars and swears vengeance on Spidey. Another reminder, no knowledge of the healing factor yet. We do know he's a mutant, by the way, but not, not what his power is, I guess. Just that he has heightened senses and all that. So uh, Peter and MJ grow closer in the background, kind of rekindling their romance. Um, as Sabretooth tracks Spider-Man, Black Cat, in turn, is tracking Sabretooth. MJ throws Peter a party, but a Spider-Sense tips him off to Sabretooth stalking outside. Sabretooth attacks some cops to call Spider-Man out from the apartment, but Black Cat attacks Sabretooth first. Their cat fight is pretty even for a while, thanks to her new cat-like powers that replaced her bad luck powers. Boo. She wins? Question mark? and an unconscious Sabretooth is arrested by the police. Sabretooth lies sedated in a hospital, dreaming of revenge, while no fewer than five cops have a gun pointed at him. Apparently, round the clock, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> they just stand there with their guns out. But he, not, he's dreaming of revenge for everybody. Spider-Man, Black Cat, Power of Man and Iron Fist, even his old buddy Constrictor, who turned his back on him, I guess. Uh, but it turns out this is... This whole ruse was part of Black Cat and Foreigner's plan to gain spider trust so they can destroy Spider-Man. Um, so what do we get from Sabretooth this time? Well, he's very violent. And of note, kind of psychologically speaking, he uses violence and his body count to make up for being humiliated. Which sounds a lot like Sabretooth, so that part was good. You can chalk up his face, like I said, to a slower 80s healing factor. Even though we don't know about it yet, we can say, well, yeah, it would have scarred at first, maybe, and then eventually. And plus, if he went to the hospital and it wasn't healed right away, the doctors tried to stitch him up. So, you know, that would explain the stitches. So that can all kind of be healed later, slowly. Saber Tooth says, Black Cat, quote, unquote shouldn't last a second, end quote, against him, and I agree. Even with her cat powers, Sabretooth should have taken her out pretty easily. So that's kind of lame. And he lies in bed swearing revenge, but I'm pretty sure that this story and his tie-in even to The Foreigner are all very quickly dropped, because he's about to be roped into X-Men-related stories very soon. And I think all this kind of pre-X-Men acquaintances and and villains and nemesis and all those vendettas all kind of go away as he decides to fight the x-men in kind of full time <laughs> so the art was pretty good again like buckler like his Sabertooth. um the story doesn't personality wise got saber a little better but his abilities i don't think peter david really his use of Sabretooth's abilities didn't really shine here. Black Cat beating him up, like I said, doesn't really work for me. But the story overall is pretty good. So I'm going to give Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 119, four out of six claws. Yeah, so the next time we see Sabretooth, will be tied in more closely to Wolverine. Their their paths are getting closer and closer to crossing. So that's pretty exciting. And um. We'll kind of see what happens when that happens. But that was just a little update on where Sabretooth's been. A whole lot of nowhere for four years. And then he shows up to fight Spider-Man and the Black Cat in some... I didn't say this. Peter David said this. Cat fights. (laughs) So, all right. There you go. Okay, so that is going to do it for episode 145. That was Wolverine Year 12 Part 2. And uh, we saw what Sabretooth did during that time frame as well so Cameron already gave his plugs before he uh, skipped out on the podcast <laughs> just kidding but yeah so you can if you heard that segment you got all his stuff for us like the Facebook page Twitter is at snickcast email us snickcast at yahoo.com uh website with show notes and stuff is snickcast.podbean.com And uh, that's gonna do it so until next time hugs and snicks bye